to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, I just had a great conversation with Jesse James from the Dangerous Info podcast and Sandy, an excellent researcher. We discuss a number of different things, in particular regarding Michigan and the Oxford school shooting and a lot of the shenanigans that are going on there, and there are plenty of shenanigans to go around. There is an organization called the National Compassion Fund, and we discuss what that is. They bring to everybody's attention what's going on within their local area and how this particular fund shows up and is rather opportunistic when it comes to either school shootings that take place or national quote-unquote tragedies that take place and how they essentially take money from individuals in order to disperse said money into uh, the funds, allegedly, of the victims of said incidents. So it's a little confusing. It's remarkably preposterous, though. And we also discuss, again, mask mandates, a lot of law talk, and we continue to dissect the abusive K-12 school environment. So give this a listen and make sure and check the description below so that you can actually see what it is that we're discussing and what we're looking at as we're having this conversation because, again, this paperwork is absolutely nuts and it's remarkably shady. And again, that's putting it mildly, but I'll make sure and have the links to these documents and a couple of websites in the description below. I'll catch you on Monday, everybody. Take care. The National Compassion Fund is a 501c3 out of Virginia. It tracks back to the victims of crime organization. They are funded fully on government grants. Yeah, I saw that, and I saw also their uh, uh, businesses. They, they put on there, too. They're, they're training. Businesses. Yeah. Yep. What they're doing is they're going after, they're following all the national uh, gun shooting things. You know, they have Sandy Hook on there. They've got, they've got all these different ones from all these different times. They even talk about 9 11. Uh, not even just that. Jess, they did Surfside. Yeah, I, I saw they did, that. They did Surfside. They did the fundraise, they did the fundraise for Surfside. But here's my question Who the hell was the school district? Who signed? Who engaged them? They didn't start the GoFundMe until December. The GoFundMe from the school was started the same day. Who gave them authority to fully take this? I printed out their funds, their information. You guys, it is absolutely positively full and complete discretion of NCF. They take full and total control. Yep. $1.5 million. I'll tell you what, do this for everybody who's listening to this, because right now they don't know what we're talking about, and I'm already, I've already been recording, but go back and describe what it is that's going on in Oxford. Uh, describe this document. I've got it in front of me as well. Describe the document that you sent me, and then uh, go from there. The interesting scenario is <clears throat> within the township of Oxford, there is a city community. We grew up in Orion, right next door. Parallel, we all lived in parallel districts. When the shooting happened, we saw this blanket of commercial predators descend upon Oxford like nothing you ever that we had ever experienced. 501c3s were set up for these students, these victims, before the sun even set. 
at the end of the day, you had an immense amount of community support that came together, local companies, local businesses, just the local support people from the neighboring communities. They came together and they did so much fundraising. GoFundMe ended up with like 1.5 million. Somehow, some way, this full 1.5 million was transferred full control over to a fund called the National Compassion Fund. They put out a pro forma, a draft you would call of a protocol overview that states how they're going to delineate and then disperse the funds. It's very nefarious. In a word, I know, just creepy. I mean, yeah, you've got to you got to go through a map and identify where you were in the school on the time at the time of the shooting in order to actually figure out what your compensation is you've got these children who are trying to figure out what they experienced you've got requirements in here in order for them to receive anything from this fund they have had to have sought um a psychological therapy session multiple sessions um before thursday march 30th in order for them to receive compensation. So you know that I mean, you, you know that people are just running right now to a therapist and doing whatever they can. Who knows about this? Yeah, just yeah. to get in on the cash. Yeah, who knows about this? We ran, you know, you've got some community, you know, Facebook pages and stuff that have kind of put this out. Um, there's a girl out of out of Butlerville, Livingston County, who put out and decided that she would assemble. Um, a, a, some type of, of compilation memo. There's supposed to be a steering committee. Andy, Andy, where are you at? Your phone is, is really lagging. Sorry. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear that or not. But yeah, I can. It, it, she, you're, you're cutting in and out. So this National Compassion Fund, it, it almost seems like they're going around the country seeking out uh, these shootings and, and trying to get their laws into the community um, where they happen. That's exactly it. It all tracks back to advocacy. So yeah. they're they're hitting every monetarily stimulated course of this disgusting situation of school shooting. They're providing the, the, the previous training for it, the victim training. They're providing the advocacy towards con gun control laws, et cetera, et cetera. It's all linked. The funds are all disgustingly tied. And I, I'm just trying to understand. And when you look on the Facebook groups and you look at the actual comments of the people that donated, they're frustrated. They're upset. They're like, we thought this was going to the victims, to their families. And, you know, when you set a goal of $50,000 and now you got a GoFundMe of, you know, 1.5 million and total control has been taken over by some compassion fund out of Virginia. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you know, they're tied up to these gun anti-gun anti lobby groups uh, along the way. They've got to, they, there must be some tie-in. There is. When you go back through, it goes through the National Victim Crime 
and that's where their 501c3 goes through. When you go back through their um, financials, because they are a nonprofit, they have to report them. Their financials do show that they've received all of the funds. They receive the administrative funds. You have their government grants. The simple fact, too, that they have a map of the school and that they're compensating individuals or claiming to compensate individuals with God knows what amount of money. But the closer you were to the actual shooting, the more you get paid. It even gets more nefarious. When you look at the actual map, it is such a disgusting representation because in order for your child to receive compensation, they had to have been on that yellow ring. Yeah, right down that hallway. And then it said something about yes, illegals as well. And that you can you can file you can file uh, to receive compensation cash, regardless of your immigration status. Yes. I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. Do they know that they have illegals in their school, or is or can an illegal in the town feel sad about it and get paid? Well, what you have to remember is Oxford Community Schools is part of School of Choice. School of Choice then brings in students from neighboring districts. Um, Pontiac, uh, for example, um, has a huge concentration of children that participate and attend Oxford schools. Um, there is a undocumented um, community um, within Pontiac, and yes, they are in attendance at Oxford schools. You know, I think we have to go back, Sandy, to some of that stuff that you saw. Remember, uh, you, you found some things about, uh, I forgot what report or whatever that is, but how those, um, how those, how the, um, how it works with the school of choice there in Oxford. And remember you had found some, some of the lower, uh, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it's a program. What is it? So it's similar, their Bridges program. It's a similar yeah. to the Renaissance program in Clarkston, except for in Oxford, Oxford has um, the Bridges program. Now, the Bridges program legitimately is for children that are lagging, um, having educational like challenges um, or um, even behavioral challenges. And it's one of the, I believe it's the old high school, if I remember correctly. And there's smaller class sizes, individual instruction. The nefarious part about that is because the intention of it should have been to support all students of Oxford. But their reporting became so specific towards minority. So there was a huge minority concentration within Bridges, even though it wasn't really indicative of the actual class makeup of the school district. And I will say that a few years ago, um, there was a situation that I was personally, that I personally viewed. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is the parent of this child who was switched over to Bridges um, outside of his control. He did not request this. He did not want this. It was his junior year. And um, the parents had one heck of a language barrier. And they just, they didn't know how to fight it. They couldn't fight it. They had no reason. Um, after a year, it was mainstreamed back again. It was never discussed. They never had a challenge. But when you look at their funding and you look at the number of bodies 
um, that they utilize at the Bridges program to get additional funding. It made more sense on a very nefarious and egregious level, but who's going to challenge it? Right. Wow. And And how many people actually know about it? Probably not a lot. Right. These kids aren't going to talk about it. These are administrators that are telling them. Right. Yeah, and that the Bridges program. Now, with that in mind, let's go to this new, this National Compassion Fund, and they call it the Oxford Survivors Fund. You know, the, the draft protocol, the overview you got yep. talking about. Um, can you read some of that about the draft protocol, those four categories of eligibility? Um, Absolutely. That in front of you there? Yep. Printed it out right here. Yeah, I believe it's on page one. Uh, yep. Dr. Sean, you, you also have this document too. Right? Yep. You know, and it's, and here's the thing, it's made, made for the public. Um, and it looks like at the end they're going to have this meeting. Um, to see, you know, how and, and how the funds are going to be, you know, put out, uh, settled out to everybody. And this meeting, it's a, it's a town hall that they're going to have right, right there at the high school. And, uh, I'm trying to look here in one bit. If this is con- if, if this is yeah if this is contract based in any way, there there are going to be strings attached. If someone signed on a dotted line to have this group come in and do this, which clearly they did, somebody's getting yep. paid. There there's going to be more yep. strings attached beyond just m- money exchanging hands. Um, yeah, this has serious long-term ramifications, really, for for any school. Because the first thing that I thought when I when I first read through this, as I was reading through it, I thought false flag. This has false flag yes. written all over it. What is keeping any school or any anything from occurring in the future? And then the very next group that you see show up is this group, the yes. National, you know, Compassion Fund. Um, I, I can't think of a. If I was a struggling school and I wanted some compassion, so to speak, you know, or a sympathetic distraction, uh, all you have to do is manufacture a crime there and you'll end up with millions of dollars. It was like the way that they portray themselves. It's just it's. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like a, they just silently swooped in. Like when you look on the GoFundMe, which right now has $1,521,480 of a $50,000 goal, the owner, the organizer, it's National Compassion Fund. It was created on December 22nd. It's because they rolled over the other GoFundMe's. Now, who signed? Who who authorized? That's my question. That's, like, that's the question that has to be asked in that meeting. Uh, and in being March. a nonprofit, they've got to provide all of their information in a legal and visible way. Their financials, you've got 2020, um, tracks back to National Compassion Fund, but only on one line item. The next one previous that's even present is 16. So unless going through, you know, some type of information request, but the contracts should be publicly available, especially if it was done by the school district. That is our information. We should be able to see that. And when you look at the protocols, 
say that just what Jesse was alluding to. This is this is what really like grabbed our attention and made us go to victimizing the victims all over again. We've got four categories in which you can qualify for funding. Legal heirs of those who were killed as a direct result of the shooting. Number two, those who were physically injured by gunshot wound in the shooting. Three, those who suffered some type of physical injury during the shooting. The last one, those who meet the eligibility requirements designated for psychological trauma. That is when they require numerous, multiple visits by a psychological therapist. Yeah, it's almost like the, um, you know, in this document, which, Sean, I, I believe you're going to be able to link this document up uh, or the description and let everybody see it, right? I mean, I, well, both of us will. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too. How, how did it get to the people? And here's another thing. You've got some violations in here that really would concern me as a parent. You've got, A, how are you going to prove that you've seen a, a therapist? You know, that's a violation of HIPAA. But here's the other thing. When you look on page two, the fund was enhanced through the generosity of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The victims who were legally, or I'm sorry, lawfully present. What does that how mean? Are they what gonna, are they getting at? Yeah, what are they getting exactly. at with the word lawfully? And how are they going to find out you were there lawfully or not? Is this, right. how are they going to, cell phones? How are they going to, verify that or validate that right they're taking donations well into may also yes they are they don't close the fund down till may you're right um for you guys out there the audience this is an eight page document um it's, uh, the octograph protocol um it looks like it was put together on february 15th right yeah february 15th yep but uh, this is brand new but uh, it's brand new writing out, but they've been working on this for quite a while, it looks like to me. Or it almost appears to me like this is a um, a template that they take everywhere all across the country and just insert whatever school has this uh, a tragedy happen like this. Well, and you know what the interesting thing is? You can't go to the site and just pull it down. What do you mean? If you go to this if you go to the site, you've got to Register with your email. You can donate, but this draft protocol overview is not readily available on their site. So the interesting thing is, is the link that was shared by this Melissa person out of Fowlerville yesterday. Mm -hmm. Is she part of the local steering committee? Is she just a concerned resident? How did she get it? Because it's not readily available. And was it distributed to the students? To their parents, how'd they get the mailing list? Like, there's so many unanswered questions here, and this mm -hmm. just opens a huge can of worms, but there's not a lot of avenues to try and figure it out because the information is not the easiest to come by. Right. They do, however, at the bottom, for what it's worth, I mean, I, I don't think it's very legitimate, but they are apparently gathering information on feedback it says feedback questions and comments on the draft protocol but again you're right i mean i don't see where you actually get the draft protocol 
usually there would be a distribution method that would state in here that, you know, there was a mailing list that, you know, something. But if the school is providing the parents and the contact information, who authorized, I, I, I think we need to know who signed this contract. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're getting, um, even here on page seven, uh, paragraph eight, right down by the middle there, just past the middle. Um, it's the responsibility of the applicant to make sure the application is timely and filed and filed and received. Contact information that is held by law enforcement or healthcare professionals is never shared with NCF. So right. why are they asking for it, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go to once finalized, so section B on page seven as well, once finalized, that National Compassion Fund, Survivors Fund, da 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 it's actually a link that's truncated and there's nothing there. It's dead. I'm going to try to click on that and it, um, see where it takes me. Um, well, it brought me to the Oxford High School Survivors Fund. Yeah, on the nationalcompassion.org website. Right, and that's what I was talking about. When you scroll all the way to the bottom, it gives you a box yeah. where you type in your name, email, were you attending? Are are you going to attend the town hall on March twenty first? It asks you, and then it has a giant section for written feedback. Yeah. So who's running that? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. If it's not the school district, it's got to be city council, your mayor, something. I mean, somebody's some it's like like you said. Yes, yeah, somebody's working with, of course, the National Compassion Fund or whoever it is that's operating. Uh, locally, there that's that's associated with this, but you're right. Somebody, you, you well, gotta you gotta figure out who signed the contract, right? And and right there at the very bottom, it says with generous support of GoFundMe, and everybody by now should know the uh, actions of GoFundMe and how uh, they're treating even even the truckers in Canada. Yes, and what they did yeah. with Absolutely. their their you know they try to get rid or take away and steal people's money, and you know shut down their accounts until they get busted. Right now, uh, as far as the Canada thing goes, they're returning the money because they got busted. Yes. And the thing is, is, you know, this is coming, Jess and I are coming at this from a little bit of a personal place. You know, Orion and Oxford were rivals. I mean, we were rivals forever. When this happened, we saw our classmates step up in amazing and phenomenal ways and raise six figures of money to go to these families how devastating now to see that they don't even have that it's just totally out of their control and all the assets the money's just been signed off to a, a large fund that's going to disperse it in whatever way they desire what does that tell the community oh, i mean it's just it's yeah I, I i i'm sorry to interrupt i see exactly here where you can click on the draft protocol it is on their website Okay. It's available. It's under it's under pr the protocol, and then there's a little PDF icon there, and then there's even a button below that that says submit feedback. But again, okay. even so, you've, you, it's, it's hidden. It's not blatant. It's not out there. It's not very obvious. I mean, the the level of verbiage and the legal contract mumbo jumbo that is in this eight page draft document, as well as the level of onerous that it puts on these victims and their families to do it themselves. And if they don't hit these deadlines, they just completely miss out. 
that goes directly against what our communities raised this money for. And I don't think anybody had the right to sign this and turn those funds and direct them in a way that it was not intended when we raised them. That's my whole point. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's beyond suspicious. I've never even heard of anything like this. I mean, yeah, the GoFundMe, the Give, Send, Go, sure. You know, somebody starts a page like that and says it's going to go to just, you know, these families because they were the ones that were actually had a child who died or X, Y, Z. But the spider web of the money going to other people who think that they were, well, you know, impacted. I don't know what to, uh, other than to, sounds like there's some. You know what's really interesting? Yeah, go ahead. At any point, just take a little, and, you know, Facebook is a social media platform that a lot of, you know, companies use for free advertising. Looking at National Compassion Fund on Facebook, they have like 872 followers. When they share these individual fund pages, they might get one like or one share. It's down to the communities. So there's my, con that's another level of concern for me. Where did this fund come from? If they're, if they're that big or legitimately not that big, how did they get here? From Virginia. And if you they look at the invited, correct? Right. You would think. Or they, you know, either they were invited here or they pay attention. They have people out there looking for these type of events and then they reach out to somebody here, whether administration, um, yeah. city council, you know, this kind mm -hmm. of thing. So it's not just happening out of the blue. Obviously, somebody's contacting somebody, but at what purpose at the end? I mean, it sounds, it seems like it's got nefarious written all over it. You know, I, I think you guys feel the same thing. Yeah, they wouldn't, they, not they, right. they, they wouldn't exist if they weren't getting a kickback of some kind. And they're, they're operating just like a lawyer would inside of a hospital after a car accident. I mean, they're prowling but around. The they're prowling around the nation looking for stuff like this. They state that they're now. There's another like thing of this which I found interesting, which kind of led me to kind of go and look at their financials. But they state specifically that all of the funds within the fund are not paid for administrative fees. The administrative fees are a separate donation. But in order to actually donate, the only way. To donate to the administrative part, which I found incredibly interesting, um, was via a phone number. So every other donation protocol is an online link. But you, in order to donate to the administrative side of the National Compassion Fund, there's a phone number to call only. Hmm. I think that that town hall that you're all going to have is going to be really, really interesting. And these are the kinds of questions that have got to be asked. And and I, I would do this, too, because you have to assume that this is probably going to happen. If you don't fill out the bottom section of the website where it allows you to register for the town hall and submit written feedback, there's not going to be a Q&A session in that town hall where people can walk up and speak into a microphone. They're, they're simply going to read off the questions and the comments that have been sent to them yeah. and, and then answer them. So. If you have concerns, you need to, you need, I would anyway, fill this out uh, and, and be as thorough as you possibly can. I don't know if there's a word limit on it or not, but um, 
there's clearly serious questions that have to be answered. And then, of course, once you submit your questions and you show up and they don't answer your questions, you're going to know that they're purposely going through the questions and the answers and they're just weeding out the ones that they don't want to deal with. Truth. The thing is, is that I just, we don't know to the level of who is this being dispersed to? Who is it being distributed to? Who is going to actually be the audience on March 21st? Because who knows about it? You, you know, there's... And that's the part that's really odd is you've got this person out of Fowlerville who is putting this mass post out, instant message me, send me your concerns. I'll compile them. Yeah. Who is she? What was her name again? Melissa. Uh, I have to look again. She's out of Fowlerville, which is, no, no, not at all. She actually posted in the Oxford community group site. Okay. And um, you're talking about on, on Facebook or something? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, too, I did find earlier, I'm so sorry, I'm trying to get through this at the same time. Oxford Community Schools um, Oxford Community Schools on what date was this? Um, I can't, I have to get back to the thing. Um, over the past two months, Oxford received generous outpourings, blah, 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 blah. Um, the National Compassion Fund was developed. Um, so it specifically states, and it was declared by Oxford Community Schools, that these funds have been turned over to the National Compassion Fund to manage. Um, some of the um, events that they participated in distributing funds for Sandy Hook, Aurora, Virginia Tech, Oak <laughs> Creek Temple, NIU, Columbine, 9-11. Wow. Yeah, so there, there's definitely some deep pockets involved here. And and out of nowhere, I mean, it almost seems like it just quietly came in here and crept into the community. I mean, this is a tiny, a tiny town, towns around it that we're talking about. Uh, these are not big metropolis cities or anything. These are small towns with farms. I mean, right by the high school, there's there are major farms right across the street. I mean, we're we're not big time. Exactly. You know, our population is very small here, Sean. So I don't know what you're. What are you thinking? You know, what you've seen a lot of this. You know, you've been in the field of education for a long time. What do you? What's your gut telling you about all this? It's it's possible. It's um, who started the GoFundMe? I'll start there with that question. The original Me. GoFundMe, because there's been a few of them, correct? Yes. How yeah, many are there? There's been a few. How many are there total? Any idea? I think they were consolidated. Okay. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember. So there was one for one of the for the football player. That I believe some coaches did. Um, there were a, a general one that somebody in the community did. That was the first one. The day yep. of, correct, Sandy? I think that was the day of um, yes. when that first one started. And it was weeks later when the coaches got together and started one for the family, too. Right. Uh, uh, yep. the football player. So oh, now there were several floating around. I mean, there were, but there were some really nefarious things that kind of entered the community. I mean, there's, when you, there's just, 
it, the products. You know, yeah, Oxford's was, strong. There was a guy selling shirts somewhere. Yes. Yeah, Remember? and then there was that person off Etsy that took all of these orders and said that um, proceeds were going back to Oxford Strong. And then come to find out, I guess she, as she was searching, she realized that this Etsy person had um, literally like different Etsy pages for all of these different other events as well. And none of the funds went back. And this has been something that they've been, all of these people in Oxford and contributing to the Oxford Strong have kind of been experiencing and really like kind of, expressing their outrage from so that's why when this came up it was like oh no like the big fund it's it's even worse than we thought let me take this approach and and see see how this resonates it's possible there's a couple of scenarios here that i think are are worth bringing up it's possible number one that the school district immediately saw that people were using were were starting gofundmes and they said to themselves we want to make sure, not that it's their call necessarily to do this, but they would say, we want to make sure that one student who was killed in this situation, that their family doesn't receive more money than another. And so right. what they ended up doing was, is hiring this group, this National Compassion Fund, to, to do just that, to take all of that GoFundMe cash, regardless of the, how many accounts there were. Pool it all into one area, and then the, and then this fund would be the determining factor as to how the money is equally quote unquote distributed among all individuals who were again quote unquote impacted. Absolutely, and honestly, if we have seen the level of outrage on just the local social media sites from people giving funds to, you know, egregious acts, I can totally see where the school district, the superintendents, the administrators would have been inundated. So I can see where they would have probably taken an initiative to put somebody in control of the whole thing to make sure that the funds were distributed appropriately. Absolutely. Nobody's saying that there was anything nefarious on that side. Right. We just don't, nobody, there's the clear and open, transparent communication and the level of authority when you put funds into a GoFundMe, is it who is it? Who should it be up to to disperse those funds? I guess that's the final question, and that's like the magic bubble at the top. Right. Who should yeah. do that? Yeah, I'm not necessarily giving the school credit. I want to make that abundantly clear. I mean, I, I think it, yeah, I think it's evident that they they couldn't manage their way out of a wet paper sack, let alone this kind of money. That's floating around. Well, that's for a whole nother podcast. Well, I was good. That's that was going to kind of be my next point, and, and I was going to go in that direction if you wanted to go that way. Which is why in the hell is the principal still working there, and why have they not been fired? And how are the lawsuits going regarding the lawsuits against uh, what was it, teachers, the principal, and counselors? Yeah, and Oxford has been known, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but Oxford has been known, I've seen it personally with family members that went through Oxford. They have knee-jerk reactions on certain um, disciplinary actions, yeah, that they, they put on to certain students. And this, as, as the details of this come out, Jess, what about you? I'm shocked. Shocked well, and dismayed. 
to, to go into more of the frame of mind that you were just talking about, you know, the, the people of the small town here, and it's, it's not just Oxford either. It's, it's the other towns around too. They all rally around, um, you know, they, they love to rally around something that is small town. And, and I think what, what happened here, it seems like a lot of them have, you know, they're, they're so deep into it because it's right there with them. Um, they might not be able to see the from the outside looking in. They're inside, you know, um, and, and they're they're full of compassion. They're full of um, strength and, and love for the community because of what happened. So they're, they're they're grasping each other, right? Which is natural and normal. We can see that, um, but but it almost seems like they're they don't see that there's something bigger going on on the outside here. Is that kind of narrowed down for you guys? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. There were failures on so many levels. So many, so many levels. And. And it's only the parents that are in shackles. I mean, the, the, the actual parents. And I, I, you know, I understand there are probably some, some people out there that have a differing opinion than I do. I don't think the parents belong in shackles at all. I don't think they belong in jail. Right. They didn't pull, no. the, they didn't pull the trigger. Not one. No, they're and, being made an example of. Of course, and and again, the and Jesse and I have talked about this. The precedent that that sets going forward for for anybody in any state is, um, I mean, you're talking about a police state, one hundred percent. And the, I brought up the example on my podcast. Your child takes your car keys, gets in your car, and goes and hits somebody, and that person dies, and the parents go to jail. It um it makes absolutely no sense. This, you know, there's there's just there's so many things that have come out since that have just kind of. It, it's one of those things where you can is it a conspiracy theory or is it a future telling? You know, the unfortunate thing is is you can trace back several of these school shootings to the fact that they take place within 30 days after Alice training. I don't want to ever say that preparing these kids for, you know, some type of, of attack is a bad thing because honest to God, it saved lives on, on November 30th. It absolutely did. These kids got into these classrooms, they barricaded. But at the end of the day, are we really doing this right? Are we setting, are we, are we sowing a seed into, you know, somebody that is mentally unwell, like Ethan Crumbly? Are we setting up the stage and preparing and, and, and putting that in the back of his head? I'm not saying that his parents are 1000% innocent. At the end of the day, this child had mental issues. They should have seen it. He should have been in some type of therapy. There should have been so much more that was done from the school side and from the parent side. But at the end of the day, all the rest of these continuous drills and things that we're putting these kids through, are we planting seeds or are we really protecting? That's my question. And that's an excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. It, it almost yeah. seems like what what they do is they're instead of being proactive, they're reactive to everything. Um, yeah. They could have been proactive with this kid before this happened, but from what we know now, 
yeah, it seems like a big total failure of the administration not taking action on this kid when they knew there's been prior uh, warnings with him. Okay, they and knew the it was in their hands. Now, for them not to take action then and get him or remove him out of that school and get him out of, you know, get everybody out of harm's way by removing him, that's on them. Yes. No matter how bad the parents are, I mean, obviously the bad the parents have issues, major issues. But the major issues have also been shown and exposed through this whole event because of the actions or the lack of action on the administration. There have been some ridiculous disciplinary actions that have been handed down by Oxford for so much less. Yeah. And that's the part. Why was he there? The administration, the teachers, the counselors, the superintendent, the principal, they're the first ones to hold parents and students accountable for their actions and their lack thereof of enforcement of actions. They need to take their own medicine. They are responsible. That child should not have been there. He should have been removed from the school district that day or before. They need to I'm sorry, in my opinion only, they are responsible. The superintendent, the principal, the teachers that saw it, the counselors that did not remove him immediately. And that's my opinion. I agree with you. And where were the resource officers? That's, my, that, that's another question. If you have a child, I mean, it's standard procedure. When you have a child or a student inside of a school building who's drawing guns and saying he's going to do X and Y and Z, you have to bring in a resource officer and search that person. That's probable cause. That's, that's there, was, there was something about that before, Jess, was it that he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't, he, he was sent from, from, from the information that I have, he was sent, the resource officer was sent away to go to the middle school to look at some vacant car or, uh, you know, abandoned car or something like that while this was all happening. And um, is there a reason why he was sent away because this meeting was going on? Because I believe if he would have been able to get in there and, and search this kid and search the backpack and, you know, talk to the parents and they would have discovered something, of course, that kid would have been put out. Um, the administration would not have been able to have him in the school. That's more money, right? Gone. If you have a student expelled. Plus, isn't there something tied to having like these uh, blue ribbon schools where nothing is, is uh, or, you know, they're rated at a blue, uh, blue ribbon, uh, what do you call it? Um, designation. Designation to, you know, it, it all wraps around funding, correct? So if something was to mar that funding and mar that blue ribbon recognition, the funding goes down. So does that give incentive to these administrators to kind of hide these things? I mean, that's that's exactly what took uh, took place in Parkland. Remember that Parkland shooting? You know, and, you know? and just yeah. absolutely hitting on that and, and going back to the conversation and the question earlier, the inquiry about the lawsuits. I don't know how much you know about our notorious um, Jeffrey Figer up here in Michigan. Uh, yeah. Um, very animated, um, has one heck of a reputation. Um, but here's the thing. He's got one heck of a staff. And at the end of the day, I think that this trial, um, the results of his discovery from this lawsuit 
there is nobody that I can think of, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jess, that is going to lay this out in such a way, and it is going to have the biggest impact. Because if anybody's going to get to the bottom of this, it's going to be Figer and his law firm. And when they get all the details and they put it all out, I think we're all going to have our jaws on the floor. Yeah, possibly. Um, and I know that he's not particularly liked. Mm -mm. You know, he's kind of, Sean, he's kind of like one of those used car salesmen. Yeah. Always yelling about deals and the best this and the best that, and you always see his mug on, on, the, on local TV around here. And remember the case that brought him to fame. Yeah, that was with uh, uh, Doctor Kevorkian, which is just yes. happened just up the road from us. His final death here uh, happened just up the road from from us here. And again, another small town. Um, I don't know what what's going on with this area. <laughs> seems to attract a lot of craziness, right? Um, wow. Normally it's not, but anyway, yeah, he's, um, a lot of the people in, in Oxford aren't, uh, happy about him and what he's doing here. But like you said, Mandy, he's going to, during discovery, a lot of things are going to be coming out. Um, yeah. I, it almost seems, you know, I get the feeling that the administration hid things from a lot of people, including the resource officer, um, because they knew if that stuff would have came out about, you know, uh, a kid with, you know, a gun in his bag and these drawings and all that stuff would have came out before shooting happened, what does that do to their blue ribbon status and their funding? You know, there's reason there for them to keep this from authority of law. Well, and the other thing too is Oxford High School is not an old school. It is very technologically advanced. Yeah. And there are yeah. surveillance cameras over every inch of that except for the bathrooms. Yep. See, that right there, should that should be something that's monitored by this uh, National Compassion Fund to make sure that individuals aren't making fraudulent claims and saying that they were in that designated hallway when in fact they were not. Everybody should right. be able to be identified. Right. Yeah, they can freeze frame on any angle. I'm sure, you know, it happened down there in that corner. And, you know, while we're talking about this, I'm going to bring this back up. Um, I'm recording this also with video. And in this, uh, here, in the presentation here on page three, you know, it's got that map yes. in the uh, draft, in the Oxford draft protocol. It's got that map and it highlights that corner of where this all took place. So, you know, like you said, Dr. Sean, the, the cameras have this. They could freeze frame on all that stuff. But even more disturbing, you know, if, if you go past that on page four, uh, at the top with the, you know, there's B and C there. The way to describe this stuff is, you know, the, the individual physical injury applicant or applications from victims wounded by gunfire. Um, and it has the explanation there. Uh, eligible applicants who were present at the high school at the time of the shooting physically injured by gunfire, which shall be defined as being hit by bullets or shrapnel, will receive payment under this protocol. And then listen to this on C. This is where I'll end here. Mm -hmm. Individuals present at the site experiencing psychological trauma. That any individuals who were lawfully present within the designated area of the school at the time of the shooting who experienced psychological trauma, which led them to seek no later than Thursday, March 30th, uh, 2022, ongoing mental health treatment with multiple sessions are eligible to receive payment under this protocol. That to me is creepy. Um, it, it keeps going. A, a higher level of benefit may be provided to students and faculty who were, who were one, in close physical proximity to the government and at imminent risk of death, or two, 
rendered direct assistance to the victim. So if you go down there and help somebody uh, who was hit by a shot or, or is down, you're going to receive more money who than, than somebody who was just standing there that didn't do anything. Right, or the teacher I mean, who was in the bathroom on the uh, on the opposite end of the building. Yeah. And had no idea what was going on. Right. I mean, yeah, the whole thing the is just they, dirty. Yeah. It's creepy. It's, it's, it's almost like they're, they're doing this to... This is, seems to me like this, this is a smaller part of something bigger that they have growing as a nation on a national level. This you know what I did not see anywhere in here was the disclaimer that all funds would be dispersed. Um, I saw it. It said something about a hundred percent. I would have to go and look. Yeah, it I saw it that too. It said a hundred percent of the money was going to go to the people right, who qualified. A hundred percent of what? The donation. Right. Okay. Yeah, and it's I'm all tax to, deductible. I'm... Yeah, so it's all like, it just all goes away after a while, you know? It's just it's all swept under the rug and money gets dispersed and I don't know, man. This just, it, it rings the alarm. It rings, you know, all the sirens going off here. I, one one of the things I think is going to happen with this trial going forward, because I saw the last uh, the last section of the proceedings that took place, preliminary proceedings, basically, where the prosecutor was laying out text messages from the parents, and they even played the nine one one call of the dad dialing nine one one and saying, you know, I I, I th my son is still in the my son is in the school. We were just there. I came back here. My gun is gone. You know, whatever else. I'm saying to myself the entire time I'm listening to this evidence, I'm actually thinking to myself, this doesn't, this isn't good for the prosecution because it's not, uh, it's revealing information, but, but the parents were taking the necessary steps, even though it could be said that the parents didn't even bother to check the kid's bag, you know, when they were sitting there. And again, was, was the kid in the, I'm, again, I'm saying this from a teacher standpoint, was the kid in the room? With the parents and the counselor, were all four of them in the same room having this discussion, or were they separated at some point? Uh, you know that I don't know, but I don't, I, I don't, I can't for the life of me figure how the defense lawyers would 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 be examining this and say and and not blaming the school officials throughout the trial. Well, there's a long sorted history. Um, with our Oakland County Prosecutor's Office and our Oakland County Sheriff's Office, and it goes back many moons. And so um, there's a little bit of a, a turmoil, and um, I don't know, how would you classify it? Jess, your thoughts? It's political. <laughs> it's just very, very political. And they go at odds, and there's some more nefarious history there as well, but We've kind of seen that calm down, so we're not seeing the public disclosure and display of that. And I think that hopefully they've gotten the message that it's incredibly traumatizing. These 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 students don't need to relive this again and see this on the news like this every day and in your face. And kind of hoping that it all comes out in the trial. But it was it it, it was a bit of a, a there's I don't even know how you would say it. There's just nonstop banter that's always gone back and forth between the 
prosecutor's office and the, the Oakland the sheriff's office. And even when you look at what was it, the um, how did it go, Jess? The prosecutor came out and announced the warrant oh, for yeah. their arrest before the sheriff's department even had him in custody which led them to take off and go to Detroit and hide. And then it was this big manhunt. And it was just a big rigmarole for no reason. It didn't need to happen. To me, it was a media show that that they knew they were going to spark something (laughs) by doing that. They turned it into a media show because they can't get that, um, the narrative that they want out into the public. And and the way that they did that, like you said, that was probably some nefarious work by the prosecutor's office. Um, you know, without letting the sheriff's office know what was going on. And so see, it turned into yeah. a big mess that you guys saw on TV. And Sandy, the the point that you just brought up too about not um, not wanting to prosecute because they don't want to have the students relive everything and, you know, see everything on television again and, and drag it on, basically. You know, yeah. the law doesn't work that way, and, and it right. shouldn't. It should never operate that way uh, where you don't prosecute someone or a group of people because, you know, because of compassion, because you want to just, you know, let's just let this go. And, you know, we're all in this together and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I actually see them throwing up the crumbly parents first. And if the, oh, crum- God, yes. if the crumbly parents are not prosecuted, I don't I don't see the counselor. The, the school principal or any school official being prosecuted then they're going to say we just need to let this rest you know this is horrible blah 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 ethan pulled the trigger uh you know this that and the other it, it's going to give but, them it's going to give them an excuse to not prosecute the people that were in the building that had a public that had a legal responsibility publicly, yeah but the prosecutor already publicly prosecuted the parents we saw, we witnessed with her, with, with her going out on the news, we witnessed and we swallowed personal, personal family strife that she made public that we never needed to know. We didn't need to know that there was adultery. We didn't need to know that there was financial issues. Why? It was to taint them in the public eye and make them look like the worst possible. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to reserve my judgment for the Crumblies until everything is all out. I've raised a child. I understand how traumatizing and how horrible high school is. We've all seen bullying. We've all seen children experience bullying. Whether it was happening or not, I don't know. This child needed help. And it's but not, and to- it's not, and I'm sure you understand too, it's not uncommon for the parent to be the one to defend the child no matter what and say, Absolutely. you know, of, he's a teenager it's a, and chalk it up to being a teenager. And, you know, it's just, he's just joking around and this, that, and the other. I mean, yeah, parents, you know, will defend their children right through jail and right through a conviction of murder. Um, yeah. I've, you know, I, that happens, but yeah. But they need to be prosecuted in a court of law. Oh, I agree. Not yeah. not publicly prosecuted on Fox 2, Channel 4, Channel 7. Like, that's not where they need to be prosecuted. They don't. That, to me, was. And that's where a judge should have intervened 
almost immediately at the beginning of these at the beginning of these sessions and should have said, "Hey, look, prosecutor, you need, you need to stop talking to people." Because when you stand up in front of a microphone and you say, as a mother, this disturbs me, you're, in, you're injecting your own personal feelings into something that has nothing to do with you. You know, and that's, but, uh, that, that's not good. But the thing is, is when you look at the way that it was delivered from the prosecutor, from our Oakland County prosecutor, from the podium, she attempted to deliver it as a mother. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like you said, she was just trying to paint a picture. And I and like, you know, in those proceedings, that's exactly what, yeah. what they were doing. They're just painting a picture. But you can you can paint a building on a canvas all you want. It doesn't make it a building. It's, sure. st- it's, st- it's still just a painting. But right. it's going to be interesting you know, to see what happens in the long term, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. But I, you know. Go ahead, Ben. Go to, bye, Jess. To me, it almost seems like, um, like from the prosecutor to the administration to the county executive to all the local politicians that came out and blocked around all this. To me, it seems like they're all on the same team, right? Except for the sheriff. Now, he was on the same team a little bit here and there, but there's a definite distinction between. That, you know, that, that, that whole team that I talked about there and the sheriff, there's something different about them, but they're, it's, they seem to come at it at a different angle. Like they're pushing something for the future. If you guys, am I making any sense to you guys? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This has long, this has serious long-term impact, whether it be at the local level, certainly the state level, I think. Whether it's yeah. uh, you know in in home gun control where your guns have to be in a safe, they have to be locked up, um, tighter concealed carry, uh, metal detectors in schools, whatever. You're going to have countless companies pouncing on on Michigan schools to implement whatever it is that comes down the pipe here. Yeah, and you know the thing is too, I've got to have faith that the Oxford district and the surrounding communities that have stepped up and supported them thus far um, are going to continue to do so. But I do think that there's, with conversation, with people kind of seeing what's going on, I think people are opening their eyes more and more. They're standing up more and more. They're getting involved. We've seen some of the most heartwarming and amazing things. And um, after this, I'll send you an amazing drawing that was done by a student in Orion and where Orion was always the dragons and Oxford were the wildcats. It was literally the most impressive. You can't look at it without tears. Your your voice chokes up to talk about it. it What was she? Sharing that around. Yeah, what was she like yeah. in 11th grade or something? She was like a junior. Yeah. And she she articulated and she drew the most gorgeous and amazing way to epitomize how the community came together and it was yep. a dragon holding a wounded wildcat. There's there's just that's the community. So to have something like NCF, you know, come mm-hmm. in and draw blood again 
We're not going to stand for it. So we got to just understand. And maybe it's not even nefarious. Maybe it's totally 100% legit. But to put the rules and restrictions and the contractual language and limitations on the recipients, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't, that's not what the, the funds were raised with the designation of being distributed in that capacity, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, remember when I had that um, uh, that show that I did with uh, it was the Oxford Angel show that I did just that same week when yes. the shooting happened, and we had a lot of you know that was a very emotional uh, uh, call, right? That was a tough show to do. Um, I had a bunch of, of the family, um, a bunch of family that lived there in, in Oxford, call on the show and just give out their you know, their thoughts, their sentiments, everything, you know, all the feelings. That, that was pretty much a feeling show, you know, it was just a sort of a a, a way to decompress from everything that was going on that week. Um, that was my intention of all that. And, and I think it helped, seemed to help, you know, it helped me, it helped a lot of the callers, a lot of the family locally around here. Um, this whole thing here now with the NTF coming in, like you said, Sandy, it, it almost seems like it's going to open up a bunch of new wounds again. Um, plus it's national. They did not want, you know, when they had the candlelight vigils and everything there in Oxford following, and especially that one big one, Yeah, they had, like I said before, they had all the politicians that showed up out of nowhere to get their face, you know, get their mugs on the camera and get into the news. And, you know, even our governor, she was here. Uh, we had a, a few different state reps that were here, the county executive. And I'll tell you, Sean, the locals, in Clarkston or in uh, Oxford, there they didn't want these people around. Nope. They didn't want these outside people. They just wanted to be Oxford family. Oh well, let's go a step further. So the shooting happened, and then on Friday they did a a support right. So they closed down M twenty four in Oxford for what four blocks, five blocks, and yeah, it was gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was amazing. It was this huge coming together of all these people. And then something fell. And it sounded like what would have resonated as a gunshot. People passed out. People ran. It was traumatizing. And the worst part about it, the national headlines were there and replayed it over and over. It's not what the community needs. They needed to heal. They just stuck the, the knife in deeper is what they did. That. Yeah. They needed to be left alone with their themselves. And, and the media should have not never been in there doing this. You're right. Talk to some of the, the, the fathers that were there, and a couple of them were so mad to have stand there and look at you know everybody that they love in the community. And then you look up on that stage, and there you have these politicians with their, you know, looking for their, I don't know, their, their, their mug on the camera again. And, uh, yeah. I mean, but if the news was going to report something, why didn't they report the 300 plus units that reported from Oakland, Wayne, Macomb, Lapeer counties, Michigan State, every undercover, every officer descended upon Oxford High School like yeah. nothing you've ever seen. It was unlike anything that had ever transpired in Oakland County before. And the news never published any of that. Look, that's how the media does. Though. If, it, if it leads, it leads. And, and that little 
you know, like like you explained there at that vigil, it was that little thing there that took the media. That's what they focus on. They don't focus on yep. some, the important things and what's going on. They look for all the shock value and all the. We know how the media works. That's nothing new. Um, but what they've done to this community, whether the community knows it or not, or eventually will see it, is stick. I think they're seeing it, Dust. They do. I mean, you look, and you've got Oxford community. This happened three months ago, three and a half months ago. They've still got meal trucks. Families are receiving home-cooked meals from their neighbors daily. We're signing up for calendars. We've got calendars going out to God knows when. The level of support that the individual and small community, it's... It, it, we yeah, can't be. It, 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 yeah, Sean. There's still Oxford showing everything, everywhere around the the, the signs. They're still selling them at, at stores. Um, you know, little retail shops here and there. Um, even outside of Oxford, other towns are selling the Oxford Strong um, ribbon band, uh, the yard signs. There are businesses that still have the Oxford Strong uh, logo on their on their signs out front in the building. Um, it's still going here. You know, the, the, the community is still hurt. You know, but the families are still in mourning, I think. I was so, in uh, Florida last week and saw a guy, a Florida guy with an Oxford Strong shirt. Wow. It was it was shocking. It, it was just absolutely heartwarming and amazing. Yep. But so, we just yeah, need to make makes- sure the money gets back to them. That's the point of all this. The money needs to go back to them without the contractual limitations, without the legalities of the administration part. It needs to right. go where we des- where it was designated when the funds were raised. Yeah. John, as an outsider looking in, you know, again, we're, we're, we're not exactly on the outside, Andy and myself. Um, we're not actually on the inside either, but we're somewhere stuck in the middle, right? Because we know a lot of these families that went there, but we're not directly, we weren't there, even though the people we talked to and know were there, okay? I had a girl a girl on my show that, that time. She heard the shot. She was in the hallway. She was on my show, and she talked about that. Um, but, Sean, as you, from the outside, are looking in, what, what, what's your overall now? Hearing what we we talked about, seeing this NF or NCF fund thing come in, I mean, where are you at? Where's your head at on all this? Well, Sandy, I don't know if you've listened to my podcast before, but I'm 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 perpetually shocked that people are still going to these schools, and I don't want that to sound, you know, like. I'm not compassionate or anything. I, I don't think it, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. It just has yeah, to you're do. You're talking about public schools. Right. And, yes. and, and, no, even, you're right. and even this environment now with, with everything that's happened there, I, I, I don't, I just for the life of me can't understand. And it's clearly, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, it's clearly a level of psychosis among some to consistently want to play the victim and go back to the same environment where actual people died and think that they're going to be able to learn in that environment. I'll give you an example. When I, when I, when I listened to the principal's address to the public about coming back, I played that on my podcast and I basically went through it line by line. 
And I thought to myself, this guy actually believes that painting the walls new colors and hiring graphic designers to come in and put stickers on the walls and this, that, and the other is going to fix something. That's not going to, I mean, that is the literal band-aid on an, on a gushing artery. It's not going to fix, it's not going to fix anything. Um, One thing that really did surprise me, speaking with a father um, of a senior that was there, um, she was in the hallway that day um, when the shots rang out. She had a, an incredible amount of animosity and, re- and anxiety in regards to going back to the school. The disheartening part for me was there really was not a lot of option or leeway for these kids to not step foot back into the school they did not have a full virtual offering or anything like that from a transitory perspective they were required in person back in school unless i i don't know if there was i'm sure that there would have been some type of legal or medical um note that would have been you know a waiver but i was really surprised that after a school shooting like that that they did just fresh in the landscape, like you said, slept a new, um, you know, new carpet, new color, murals, whatever, and then required that these children walk right back into that same school, and they did not give them a lot of option otherwise. And that's uh, that right there shows a number of different things. And number one, the grip that government has over the family. And, yes. and, and and the grip that family allows government to have. The second that that would have happened, homeschooling would have been the only option for me at that particular point. There's no way. I absolutely agree. Yeah, there's no way that um, I would ever go back into an environment like that had something like that occurred. In fact, throughout my teaching career, when I taught, I openly said that to my students constantly. I said, if somebody loses their life in this building, I'm quitting. I'm gone. Take the Parkland shooting or whatever happened there. And again, I don't know what happened at Parkland. The whole thing is highly suspicious. But 19, 19 teachers quit. And that's, you know, the, I, that's the other thing that never gets discussed is how many people actually quit? How many students leave are, are leaving this Oxford uh, school district permanently? Yeah. You know, and, and since I had moved out to the Clarkston district, um, seven, eight years ago. Um, and I will tell you that the continuous statement that I always remitted back to not only the superintendent, the previous and current, but as well as the principals and teachers is at any point when you lose the focus on the children, walk out, quit, yeah, go on to a different career. Because the politicalization and the indoctrination, the level of mental illness that is going like Ethan Crumbly, you know, it's it's not discussed. It's just disregarded. But it's it's not acceptable. It It is just not. And when they lose focus on the kids, which is what they went into education for in the first place, then they gotta go. We need we need an overhaul. We need we need teachers that are legitimately wanting to provide an educational framework for our children. But at the end of the day, parents need to step up. They need to step up. 
They need to step in between. They need to figure out what's going on. And they need to make sure that their children have the right values and morals from home. I was coming back from Florida the other day with my child. And she always has the cruise control set five miles per hour above the speed limit. I'm like, you're at 70. I'm like, speed limit just went up to from 65 to 70. She goes, where did you see that? And I said, I just uh, signed. She goes, okay. And I said, why don't you go ahead and update your speed control, your cruise control? She goes, I need to see it for myself. I'm good, like, you know what? Good for her. Good girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Good for her. But at the end of the day, she didn't learn that at the school district. She learned that at home. She applied it at school. She was able to come home and discuss anything from the school district with me. If it was something I didn't agree with, I went to them. I let them know. But there was, there's... There's got to be communication and respectful communication. It can't be a dictatorship on either side. And just like this thing with Oxford, at the end of the day, if we all focus our energies appropriately, then, and and where it's supposed to be, it's on the kids. If we go that route, then we're all going in the same direction. We link arms. Jesse, let me mention this too. Yeah. And I agree with you, Sandy, a hundred percent. This is, there's an, there's another, another group that is profiting from everything that's been going on in American schools that for the last couple of years. And it's these suicide prevention groups and these mental and emotional health groups that are showing up and offering curriculum and, you know, shoving it down the throats of, of everybody who who works there and and goes there as a student. In particular, it's aimed toward the students. The hypocrisy of all of it, as you might expect, is everybody's wearing a mask. So all of these groups that are claiming that they care about the mental and emotional health of children, they're, they're muzzling them and destroying them psychologically at the exact same time. And let me give you one example. And this happened just this past Monday. I watch my niece and nephew's school board meetings. And they live in uh, Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb right uh, right outside of Columbus. They, a woman, a woman walks up to the to the lectern during the public comments section, and there were only two people who spoke. She's wearing scrubs and she has a mask on, and she says the following: she she says she's very upset, and rightfully so. She looks at the board and the superintendent who are all sitting there, and she says. My my son has been in school for the last three weeks without their teacher present. The, the child's teacher has been gone out sick, apparently, for three weeks straight. And, and no one told the parent that this was the case. Not a single person told the parent. And then... The, the the parent was, was receiving phone calls from the principal saying that her son was behaving poorly in the classroom with this substitute and that, uh, that the parent needed to come and, and pick up the child and take the child away. Behind the parent's back, the, the principal of this school building, which who, who she doesn't mention, and it was too bad because she should have mentioned his name and, and what school it was, she said the principal sat across the table from her and was telling the parent that they were already in the process of expelling her son what? without even telling the parent any of this. The parent then says, looks right at the superintendent in this board meeting and says, I emailed you and told you about this and you haven't emailed me back. 
And no one in the room knew any of this was going on. No board member, nothing. The irony, and then she starts to cry, and it's heartbreaking. The irony of it is she even says this. She kind of leans back and she says, I'm hearing all this talk and watching these presentations in these board meetings about mental emotional health and social emotional learning and suicide prevention. She goes, and that's when she starts to cry because there's no sense being made anymore among these individuals. I mean, these schools, in my direct opinion, are mining camps now. They are just mining camps for for government funded bureaucratic bullshit. And I and I I'm blown away that that these groups are allowed to enter because all it's doing is proving that there's absolutely no learning taking place whatsoever. It's just child abuse. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree on that. Interestingly, in, interesting. I'm. I'm I, I, Go ahead, Jess. I'll, I'll, go ahead. Oh, wait. Well, if you ever listen to his, uh, you know, American Education FM podcast, that's what that show is all about, is exposing what's going on in the schools. You know, in, in uh, we've had our own issues here with the DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and the CRT stuff in our schools. You know, they, they try to downplay it and say, no, we're not doing it, um, that we can't do it legally, but everything they're doing, is exactly what what they've been accused of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids are learning the DEI stuff, and um, you know this whole neo Marxism uh, teaching. You know they're getting it all. You know I fought against it. Um, there's an ongoing battle against it right here in our district, um, and it's all around the country. I mean, Sean, your show was so strong on that that um, for people not to understand what's really going on. You know, it's just going to shock them later when they do find out. You know, Sandy, you you've seen, you've witnessed a ton of this stuff. I mean, you're, yeah. you're go ahead. Well, the whole time that we went up through schools, we had at least one suicide in our class every single year. We we lost a student every year. When we <clears throat> moved out to Clarkston, there were numerous suicides. And the thing is, is the suicide prevention training that that Clarkston um, kind of put in more glorified um, the end result as, and I don't mean that in a in a disgusting way, but the way that they did it, because at the end of the day, these children, unfortunately, that take their lives, you know, there was the one boy with the Hawaiian shirts, remember that? So then the next thing you know, Al, everybody was wearing Hawaiian shirts to commemorate his memory, which is amazing. But they made him popular after death. And to me, that was so, it was something I didn't understand. And one of my dearest friends, um, his son committed suicide several, several years ago. And there's no epiphany that happens. There's no all of a sudden magic moment that you wake up and go, I get it. I know why he did it. He's still left with this crazy unanswered question of why. And the school district, to me, they, they handled it appropriately because instead of bringing in this suicide prevention awareness, they put dad up there. And dad said, guys, we still don't know why. Don't do it. Seek help. 
finds find a resource she can call me that's where we need to have the education and the emotional support for our kids not letting them know that hey if you don't want to identify as a female or a male you can use a litter box and identify as a cat no 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 we need to let these kids know you're beautiful you're amazing you're you're phenomenal the way you are i'm sorry you're going through a hard time but guess what we're here for you we're not just going to plan out and plant a seed in your head of hey grab dad's gun and go shoot up to school and be famous no don't kill yourself and be popular after no figure out a way to take a step forward to tomorrow make it better why can't the schools go back to compassion why can't they go back to understanding why can't they go back to you know not this you know you're not hurt don't tell if if your arm's not bleeding or falling off shut your mouth it's bullying but swallow it no i believe it's the ties of funding that bind everything together you're absolutely right jesse absolutely right i agree 100% sorry guys got a little emotional there <laughs> Well, let me give right. you, let me give you another example. I, I did this just I did this just yesterday. Um, over the weekend, I sent a a legal notice or a, a request for documents through an open records request for again my niece and nephew's school. On Monday, I got the documents back, and on Tuesday, they decided to lift their mask mandates because they knew that if I was asking for their insurance policies in XYZ, uh, that they would, you know, that they were going to get complaints against their insurance claims, or they were going to, you know, receive claims against their insurance. Um, This entire time in the state of Ohio, wearing masks on school buses is illegal. And they have, and they have no idea. And so that for a year and a half, Parents have been told and coerced, by, which is also against the law, by, by school districts that if their children ride the bus, and many of them, as we know, don't have a choice, they have to ride the bus, that they have yeah. to wear a mask. And it turns out it breaks a state law and a federal law because public transportation is not categorized, or uh, uh, school buses are not categorized under public transportation. I mean, imagine all of the parents having to swallow the fact that they've been coerced, lied to, and that the school district broke the law for the last year and a half on just that singular issue. What what do we call that, Jess? Oh, yeah, that's called red pill. If we all knew what our Constitution and our laws actually protected us against, it's unbelievable. And just like now, they dropped the mask mandate. Science change. Or did no. the environment change? No, nope, the environment changed. People are waking up to what's going on. The uh, the funding is is kind of funny. The uh, you know the big narrative switches are coming. So you know there's there's a, there's always a major psyop going on, mm-hmm. and we're always living within it. And then you get all yeah. these little major ones going on in our community. So we're we're seeing all this come together, and um, you know I think I think. This whole process, if you weren't awake of what's going on, um, the way that they're lifting a lot of these mandates now, I think it's reaching people who, you know, the normie type people who never really understood what was going on. But now they're starting to get it. 
Absolutely. And I, I thought, you know, I posted something the other day on Facebook and it was kind of funny. It was like, uh, don't come at me when you see the truth because I already knew it. And it was absolutely hysterical because I can't tell you how many times in the past just couple of days, people are like, okay, what's really going on? You know, mm-hmm. they've been, you know, just asleep and we all have and we all have this we all have this burden to bear guys this is all on all of our shoulders from the boomers straight through to us because we dropped the ball we had no idea what was going on but now that you have parents with our eyes propped open with toothpicks oh i i think that within the next five years we are going to see an incredible and i think it's going to happen way before then but an incredible overhaul of the education system. We need to take it back. Well, Sean, you're, you're, you're in the camp of it probably won't even be there, or if it's going to be there, it's going to be completely restructured in a different way, uh, which I agree with and I hope happens because that's how we're losing our country um, is through the, the kids, you know, through the teaching um, at these government indoctrination centers. That's how we're losing our culture how we're losing our future because they have the minds of our kids and they're not teaching them anything good. They're teaching all revisionist, revisionist history, CRT, DEI, um, nonsense, craziness. Uh, you know, and, and we were warned, Yuri Bezinov warned us back in the sixties about what's coming and what's going to happen. Did we listen? No. McCarthy was right. And he said, uh, communists uh, were infiltrating our institution. He was right all along. Yep. Now you guys are starting to see it. Everybody's seeing it. You better wake up, people. Something. Well, there used to there used to be a unifying, you know, we would handhold. You had, you know, your, your principals and your teachers and your, you know, the, the, I don't know how you say it, but the attendance lady. And you had, you know, all of these people that were like your support system in elementary when I grew up and I'll tell you what if if I had to go to the principal's office and I was in oh my god I was more petrified of of what my parents were going to do I mean the last thing in the world was a teacher to say I'm going to talk to your parents like for the love of all that is holy it was enough to make you shake in your shoes now now kids are like you know calling their parents their parents are coming up they're assaulting teachers but the level of respect has flipped. It's not a unifying force anymore. It's education against parents. And the kids fall somewhere in that tug of war in the middle, and they don't know where they fit. And it's it's super, super disgusting, and we've allowed this. Yep. Well, teachers' unions have a big part of it, too. I mean, back in the day... <sighs> I don't think the teachers' unions had, had, had the kind of organization and power that they have right now. Um, they want these masks in place. They want these masks strapped on people's faces. Uh, even if the teachers, some of them don't want it, doesn't matter. You gotta, they're going to still wear it. Yeah, and they're so afraid to speak up, Jess. Absolutely, they are. They're afraid. I mean, Sean. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's crazy the way that, you know, they, they, they won't. They always talk about standing up and, you know, in the bullying situation. Always talk about standing up and protecting and don't bully and don't let this happen. But right now, and all along for the last two years, they haven't said shit about the mask mandate. No. They've been going along with it. They've been, you know, are you seeing much 
uh, 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 push back or fight back against uh, the mask mandates from the teachers? Very, very few. There was a, a lady the other day, and um, she posted the sweetest little picture of her five-year-old daughter. And the video that went along with it was this. The mother had a Zoom video with the daughter's kindergarten teacher that she's been in the classroom with since September. Gets off the call, and the little girl was talking to her, and she goes, Mom, did you see my teacher without a mask? And she goes, yeah. She goes, what does she look like? Wow. How pathetic is that? That's horrible. Has, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah. She doesn't even know what her teacher looks like. She knows what she wears. Mm-hmm. She knows her eyes. She that she wouldn't recognize her teacher if she passed her in the street. That's kindergarten. That's hug and love time. How do you Thank not? You. Yeah. Think about the last two years for kids who just started school in the last two years. A lot of them have not seen the face of their bus driver, of their fellow you know, students. That's all they want to do. They want to see their smiles. They want to see their laughs. Uh, you, you need to see somebody's mouth moving to understand what, what they're talking about. You know, all those human nature uh, characteristics, it's all in the face. We need to see mm-hmm. that. This whole thing has been a nothing but a satanic, ritualistic uh, two years of, of, of hell that we've allowed to uh, enter into our lives. So I fought back so hard against it. I don't wear the stupid mask. I don't think any of us, none of us can legitimately look in the mirror today and say I'm the same person that I was three years ago. Yeah, and some of us have been ready for this battle for a long time. Some <laughs> of us have been ready for this. Um, we've been talking about it for a long time, and, and we're in it. We see it. Some people still don't believe it, but, um, hey, everybody's going to find out sooner or later. Yeah, it's like the, 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 the light gets turned on a little little brighter, a little brighter on a daily basis now. It seems to be escalating by the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It's um, the quickening what this is. And Sean, we hijacked your show. I'm sorry. That, that, that's the point. <laughs> that's the whole point. You're supposed to talk. Um, the other thing too is, and, and this is where I am, and this is where I'm working now, is learning how to prosecute these individuals. Because again, the founding yeah, the- fathers set it up so that we could be the lawyers and we could file criminal claims against these individuals in, in, you know, in district court. And I fully yeah. intend on doing that. Um, You're talking about the bonds, right? Going uh, after the bonds? Not not just that, but even the mask wearing on the buses, the coercion, all of it. It's all been against the law. And what they've done is, and Sandy, I've read through your documents that you sent me here this morning on uh, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services getting rid of their masks. Yeah, but did you see um, that little caveat on page two? I did, yeah. What does that include? Because that's a little bit of a... Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's evident that they're, yep. they're still doing whatever they can to, to get as much federal funds as possible. But the word that's been manipulated throughout this entire time for the last year and a half is the word recommendation. They've all said, we recommend, we recommend, we recommend. But a recommendation is not the law. Nope. It's like the word mandate. Neither, neither is mandate. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's, it's yep. that kind of stuff that even, is, even when you bring it to a, yeah, even when you bring it to a board meeting, and you tell them this, look, you're breaking the law. They look at you like you're crazy. 
This is the this is the psychosis that exists with the people that are running these places. The people that are running these schools are not well. There is something wrong the, with them, seriously. The thing is, though, is it doesn't just stop there. Because this just escalates through our entire elected official and government operation. I mean, for two, three years, <laughs> we've been told, you know, do your part, Michiganders. Oh, just loves her. I know he does. Um, but the thing is, is it's lead by example, lead with class, integrity, ethics, value what you're being told and the direction you're giving, given from your constituents. The level of tyranny that we have seen demonstrated by these elected officials who have literally snubbed their noses at all of their constituents, anybody that has challenged anything, it's, it's so far up and it's so far down that it's very frustrating to us as all individuals. So, Sean, absolutely, positively, we applaud you and we will do anything that we can to help you along this way. But the truth is, people have got to see and understand what their rights are what their protections are. We have surrendered so many of our freedoms because of the fact that we didn't just stand up and say, hey, guess what? I've got this number right here on my side. I'm keeping my arm right here. You know, I'm protected. I've got my amendment one. I've got my amendment two. I've got this state law. It's so, even if their, their actions are deemed illegal in court, what are you going to do about it? What can we do about it? There's so much resistance against us. And so this is where, at the end of the day, volume and numbers, hats off to the truckers, hats off to the convoys, hats off to the people that are unifying and staying together on this. At the end of the day, the small minority that is screaming super loud is just trying to drown us out. We need to link arms. We need to figure out what we actually have in our arsenal that provides us with the protections and is it black and white with decimals and capital letters that says you do not have authority to do this to me. You don't have authority to do this to my child. Enough is enough. And this is where we all need to really arm ourselves, not with guns, but with what we know we already have that our founding fathers delivered to us. Sorry. Beautifully, beautifully stated. That's a perfect way to state everything because I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Candy. That I think most people have forgot. They become too busy with their life, too busy with entertainment, too busy with the bread and circuses to focus on the real, most important things that our founding fathers gave us. And you stated it beautifully right there. Element by design, virtual world, meta. Welcome to the metaverse. Yeah, it, it's here. It's upon us. Um, Dr. Sean, um, get back to a little bit of that legal, uh, you know, your legal opportunities that you guys are talking about here. So what I did yesterday is I sent, um, well, I want to say it was a last weekend. Uh, I'm working with a local group of individuals and she, one of them sent me a post that had the codes for Ohio regarding mask wearing on buses and how buses are not deemed public transportation. 
Again, just yesterday, like I said, I was watching my niece and nephew's board meeting. One of the board members, who's the ex-president of the, of the board, actually said, and he hangs his head with his mask on when he says it, but he actually said, we're, keep, we're, we're dropping the mask mandate. I mean, <laughs> let me start over. You got, you got to listen to this because this is just nuts. The guy, the guy, they all end up agreeing that they're going to lift the mask mandate starting next Tuesday because they have Monday off. And then he, why not? Go ahead. I, I, I know. Why not right now? So why not ten minutes from now or correct next morning? Which is which is exactly what I told them. And I said, and I emailed them back. I emailed the treasurer and everybody back, including the superintendent and every board member. And I said. If you don't lift this immediately, you're breaking the law openly again, because in right. the board meeting, the ex-president says, we're keeping the masks on buses through March or until the middle of March. And I thought to myself, you can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't lift it. Well, it's against the law, number one, but you can't lift it in schools and then, and still keep it on the buses. That's ludicrous. On top of that, there were there there were two board members that actually suggested this, and this is absolutely insane. They suggested that students still bring a mask with them, and that they're allowed to wear them if they want to. But it would be nice if the students looked at their peers and the people who were around them and asked them if they wanted themselves to wear a mask to make them feel better. What? This is all mind control. This is brainwashing. And then the ex-president said this. He then said they should also ask their, their, their fellow peers whether or not they have breathing problems. And if they have breathing problems, then they should put a mask on. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's like if remember, you know, tell ask them if they have a headache, they need to hit themselves with a hammer. It's, yep. it's so this is this is when you immediately go right back to that video that they just put out less than twenty four hours ago of Justin Trudeau and his aide was standing to the left of him. And she had a legitimate anxiety attack in her mask on international TV. So at any point, <laughs> you take it off. There were doctors that were publishing this all over the place. They're like, it's an anxiety attack because you can't breathe. Like, take the mask off. <laughs> like, like, where's the, dis I, I, what happens? Like it, it fogs your brain. If you can't breathe, you're breathing through material. Take it off. Yeah. And I'm of sorry. course we were, and, we and, were and, built to uh, breathe oxygen. Yeah. That's not our self, uh, you know, our <laughs> thing. And the, and the best part about this legal process is again, once I sent that legal warning out to that, to that Westerville school district, I of course didn't receive a single email back. Um, and I wasn't expecting one because they should be scared shitless. I'm going to send the exact same one to the local school district here in the town where I live, because again, they've been warned legally already and they're not listening. So I'm going to send it again because every single time they receive legal warnings with the codes and the, you know, the, the state and federal codes that they've broken, uh, every single time they receive that legal warning, that, that looks worse on them in a court of law. The next move then is to get 
uh, and there are lots of Telegram channels that have these out, and I've got some of these documents myself, but they're just, they're templates of affidavits. And there was one directly from Texas where the individual who is filing the affidavit, and again, it requires you going through it line by line and saying, you've done this, you have to answer for this, why have you done this, X, Y, Z. And then, of course, the district's lawyers will have 30 or 60 or 90 days to reply. I, I want them, I, I want them to write out their own illegality. And I want them to basically yeah. say, answer for every single thing, every law that they've broken, because there's no amount of word usage that they're going to be able to use, like the word recommend. Well, they recommended this, so we just did it. That's not a legal excuse. Right. And, and once I get that notarized and I, and I file that, they have to answer. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not letting up on this. They can let. They can lift mask mandates. They can claim they're, you know, going quote unquote back to normal. I'm. I'm going to step on their throat, and I'm going to make sure that they have criminal claims against them that are being filed because that's just as bad as having Absolutely. insurance claims filed against their insurance policy. Um, well, and you, you've you've got to wonder as well. You know, at the end of the day, where did the direction? And the reinforcement of their backbones come from who's standing behind them, who's telling them to stand so straight and not bend at all, no matter what pressure they're under. I'm really interested to hear what you get back as far as the reply from your requests. Yeah, I, I don't expect to receive to receive anything back, to be honest, because I've 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 done this in person. I've served them personally uh, on video. I did that on purpose to get it on the record during one of their board meetings, and they just brushed it off. And I thought that that's the problem. You don't know you're breaking the law. You're not reversing things, and they actually believe that slow rolling uh, the removal of all of these mandates is going to absolve them of any wrongdoing. And it's not. At the end of the day, we have all seen so many things transpire in the past week. And it's all hit the international stage. So the yeah. fact that you've got, you know, you've got these convoys popping up in all of these countries and they're not stopping. They're getting bigger and bigger by the moment. You've got the hypocritical narcissistic celebrities that were published everywhere and shamed all over the place after they have been pronouncing and screaming at us to keep masks and to keep everybody safe. Da, da, da. Here they are on the international stage for everybody to see. They're faced out of the Super Bowl. Now yeah, look at when the mandate started going out. Yeah, Science didn't out change. Now. There you go. Yep. Exactly, Jess. Public exactly, Dr. Sure. Yes, so it wasn't that the 000. science... Go ahead. You're, you're right on the right track. I mean, the perception has changed now. You know, people are well, sick of it. The hypocrisy is being exposed by all these morons at the Super Bowl, uh, taking selfies and everything. The day before, they're all yelling about wearing masks and everything. Then you have, you know, if the Super Bowl can be held, 75,000 people in the stand in California, there is. But no yet, your five-year-old goes to school in a mask. Yep, there is no state of emergency. Yeah, these people are deranged. You know, there, there were again, there there were two the two female board members that I mentioned at my niece and nephew's school. 
that were suggesting that they still wear, you know, walk around with a mask and ask their friends if they should wear one or not. The looks on their faces give them away as, as being deranged. They are, and these are the individuals, again, that are in charge of children. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't invite them over to your house to babysit your kids, why in God's name would anybody send them to their house to have them babysit your kids? You know, and the thing is, too, is in, in Michigan, they, we've had these crazy mask mandates for all of the schools, all of their athletics, everything else. And we have had so many lawsuits filed challenging this. And until yesterday, the mask mandates were, were, you know, were still in from a Michigan perspective. Some of the counties started releasing stuff this week after the Super Bowl. But then yesterday, super interesting, here, you know, national headlines all over the place that are identifying, you know, certain individuals up for re-election in the midterm that are running into some severe, severe trouble and a lot of uphill battles. And number one um, that was on the list was that lady from Michigan, um, and that would be Whitmer. Um, yep. It's kind of amazing that two hours later, uh, Michigan Department of Health and Human Services hurdle announced um, immediate resolution and um, dissolution of the mask requirement. Come on. Yep. It's Come on. It's about control and narrative and perception, you know, and that's all it is. And hopefully in these midterms, we get all these Soros puppets thrown out of office um, mm-hmm. you know this is the, the, the time of great awakening uh the last two years have been completely exposed for what it is now this declared pandemic um you know the, 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 these jabs that don't work as far as our health but to destroy our health you know everything's been exposed the hiv the hiv insertion it's all there it's all there for everything to see now, you know, you, you include that. How do you get rid of and erase all this craziness and all this badness? How do you get rid of it? The best way is to use a banker's word. And our administration, what do they see? They see Ukraine, right? They're trying to, trying to gin up a war against Russia. And that's the best way these bankers can, you know, throw the biggest uh, wrench into all of this. Take, take the mind of, of, of everybody, you know, condition the whole planet, right? into thinking now there's a war. Well, everything they've done. Following on that, Jess, um, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you guys have been following what's been going on in Canada, but um, there's been one heck of um, a transition up there. And um, their banks, yeah, their banks are running into major outages major outages um bank accounts are being liquidated um cash is being pulled out and they have a huge draw on their banking system so we need to really watch what happens here with canada and how quickly this resolves itself because their bank system right now is literally imploding under the radar yeah, but I saw something this morning about some uh, bank runs happening. Might yes. be a good idea to go in there and get your own stuff out for a little while and <clears throat> put it in a big safe. Um, Dr. Sean, what do you what do you what's going through your mind right now? Yeah, you know, I I, I said from the start that the, the you know what was going on in Canada was was gonna it was gonna get dicey, 
you know, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be dance parties in Woodstock for very long. Um, he's Trudeau, you know, Castro, he's, he's a, he's a tyrant. That's evident. He's a psychopath. That's evident yep. in his tone. You ask him again, what's two plus two. And he, and he starts talking about how everybody needs to get vaccinated. He is, yeah, he's climate change and all this stuff. Absolutely. He's receiving orders. Um, but I think their entire government is, is garbage. Even these pseudo conservatives oh, yeah. are standing up and they're still telling people that they encourage vaccination and it's the best way to stay healthy. Yeah. And this, you know, it's just nuts. Um, yeah. I, I don't, Thanks. I don't see it ending unless there's, there's actual forcibly, I don't know, somebody gets removed by force. Um, there's a military coup of some kind. That's, that's the only thing I can see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because what happens there in Canada is going to probably likely happen around the rest of the you know developed world. Um, if, if, if the truckers stay in there and they push back and actually win, well, that's going to be a great downfall and a great um, destruction point for the, the global call that's doing all this crap on us. Um, but if they win... Hold on tight, everybody, because if there's not another country to step up or people, you know, basically it comes down to people. It's us. It's we the people. It's always been we the people. We sit around and wait for elected officials to do everything. Uh, it, it's not that. It's us. It's we the people. We have to do it. And it starts locally. You know, that's and, where everything is decentralized control. You have to start locally and get the right people in where you live who directly impact your life on a daily basis. The seat of the presidency was never supposed to be this impactful in our life. And, and it, pretty much it's still not right now. It's where you live. It's your your city council. It's your school board. It's your little mayor. You know, it, it, it's your open or it's your uh, executive, your county executive. So that's where everything needs to go back to. And take control locally. Decentralize these governments. Make them smaller. Spread their power out. We actually have, we are the ones with the power. We're the ones that give them the power. So remember that, people. Decentralize everything. Make up the parallel economies. That's the only way we're going to get through this. You're absolutely right. I, I look at it. This is this my take from just a little peon perspective sitting here in my little place in Michigan. Here's my perspective. As a peon, just born into this world, into this crazy little birth certificate system, blah, 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 blah. You know, it took me 49 years, 48 years to realize um, I was born dead. I was born into a debt system. Um, there's just so many things about the makeup, the history, the structure of this amazing country that we have our feet planted on. And at the end of the day, we all sit here and we know that the media is publishing their own propaganda. They're running with their own narratives and we get it and we see it and we see the level of censorship that's going on and da, 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 da. As a little peon, sometimes it's super, super frustrating to look at it and not be able to scream super loud and reach millions of people and just say, Oh my gosh, can't you see this? You know, but at the end of the day, there's so much more out there now there's so much more enhanced knowledge people are switching sides 
people are starting to walk with a spring in their step. They're getting out of the house. They're not in their little bunker anymore. They're having conversations at restaurants without masks on. They're actually exploring. People are entering these local races, these grassroots races, like what Jesse was talking about. We're seeing school boards taken over. We're seeing Democrats step across the aisle and go, wait a minute. No, no, no. Our education, this is, I'm standing with the parents. I think this is probably, and, and forgive my optimism here because I wake up going, woohoo, I got a smile on my face and breath in my lungs and I'm going to see what I can do today. But here's the thing. What a great day to be alive. Oh, yeah. What a great day to see all of this transpire and all of this happen. And I'm grateful for the knowledge and I'm grateful for the fact that we are experiencing this and we are going to be so freaking much more smarter and we are never going to allow this bullshit to transpire on our watch and our kids. We've, we've educated them. We're, they're going to be our future. They're going to be the ones with the backbone that we've given them, that we've reinforced with our values, our principles, our, I'm not going to take your word for it. I want to see it for myself. Those are the ones they're going to lead. And we've got to deliver a good framework for them. <clears throat> we can't just leave them ready to go off the cliff for the next new green deal or the build back better. We, we need to stop this. We need to have America go in the right direction that, the majority, not the mainstream media, not this manipulative 3% that's screaming, the majority of the God-fearing, amazing citizens and patriots of this country want it to go in. That's my PM take. Amen, sister. I applaud you big time. I applaud you. That's what this is all about. You know, we, we, we have to take control of the horns again. We cannot allow our, ourselves to be busy, so dang busy that we can't pay attention to stuff anymore. I think that's the problem. You're we right. too busy with bread and circuses and, and this and that, and we lost control. We, we, we handed over the wheel to somebody else. And whenever you do that, look, look, ever since 1776, we've been losing freedoms ever since. And our liberty's been getting stabbed every day since July 2nd, 1776. So what are we going to do? I almost think that we're in a worse position now than our founders were. Because this is more, this is global. This is bigger than, you know, 13 colonies. This, this, this thing is huge. Now the technology in place, technology is there. This whole technocratic world is coming into view, you guys. So. And think of what they've wanted us to believe. They've wanted us to believe all of these other countries were just going along with it, going with the flow, being so subservient. And then all of a sudden, what do you see? TikTok, Telegram, Twitter, Gab, Rumble, BitChute, Parler, Discord. You see all of these freaking awesome platforms and you know what they're doing they might be gathering information yeah they might be but they're also providing us with an artery yeah and i think that that's probably one of their major you know uh letdowns is they didn't know that we would be able to make connections like this you know the double-edged sword absolutely yeah, totally i don't think they ever knew that we're going to make these kind of connections so 
Um, it's happening. The fight, you know, it, it's, it's a battle. It's gonna, um, you know, it's gonna end at, at some point. So I don't know. What What do you guys have uh, left to say on this topic? I mean, this is a huge topic, but I think we're we're in it to win it. God's on our side. God wins. And uh, God wins. Say the stay the course. We have to stay the course in this. Truth will prevail. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.